HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Your love is chloroform perfume. Just one whiff and you start to swim. Welcome to Love Bites on Heritage Radio Network, where dining and dating collide in New York City. I am one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about chefs and food culture. My work is collected on wordsfoodart.com, and you can get me on Instagram and Twitter as wordsfoodart. I'm 34, I'm straight, and I'm single. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasionally a bartender, and a server. I also offer free psychoanalysis to all of my friends, even when they don't ask for it. And we never ask Um, for it. This is is true. Um, But you can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I'm 33, straight, and also totally single. In a little bit, we're going to be speaking with a former employer of mine, the delightful Abby Hitchcock, chef and owner of Camage Bistro, a mainstay of Greenwich Village for the last 18 years, about her experiences running a restaurant with her spouse and hosting sensual, romantic dining events with the lights off. Ooh, should we say that the lights are off right now and we're doing this in the dark? Don't touch me there. (laughs) Um, But uh, first, Jacqueline, you mentioned at the end of the last episode that you you wanted to talk this week about baggage and vulnerability. So yeah. thanks a lot for that, for making us be well, open about our baggage and vulnerability well, it's on beca- the air. I think it's because last week we were talking about your baggage and vulnerability a tiny bit, which is Just why we decided there. to talk about it in general. Well, so then in general, everyone to some degree like has what we might call baggage. Yeah, I'd say if you're in your 30s and you're dating in New York City, you've lived enough to have some sort of baggage. What is baggage? I mean, if everyone has it, then it's like, what? Is, what is baggage? To you, in your to, mind. Mm, to me, I think, in real, speaking about relationships specifically, I think baggage is anything that you've picked up through an experience that gets in the way of you moving forward with someone, whether it's like right in the beginning, something that you're afraid to share or you're not sharing or you're hiding or, you know, a lot of people have or have fear of commitment because of baggage from past, you know, relationships gone bad that then like gets in the way. They get They get so afraid of repeating something that they don't move forward. So I think baggage, yeah. So it's anything that sort of holds you back from moving forward in a relationship. 
it doesn't mean you can't get over it, you know, but it's something that comes up. It's an issue that comes up that you have to like either work to get over or you don't and it doesn't and you don't move forward with somebody because of it. Okay. So you said we talked about my baggage last week. Do you have any yeah. baggage? I have a little bit of baggage. I don't have relationship baggage. I actually discovered recently that I don't have, I don't think I have relationship baggage. Like I don't really compare past relationships to current ones in negative ways that hold me back. My baggage is a little bit, I feel vulnerable just talking about it. Well, you said we were going to talk about vulnerability (laughs) and baggage. Okay, my baggage, I'm already feeling a little bit red in the face and I'm getting shyer than I expected (laughs) to. So I've grown up with an illness since I was little and it's changed a lot. And for most of the time that I was seriously sick the past two times, I was in a relationship with someone, the guy that we met through who I dated for 10 years. So like my two most serious incidents, which means I was out of work, I was homebound, I didn't go out, I was not a fun girlfriend. I had a boyfriend through that. And then like we broke up and years later, like now I'm in a middling place. So my 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 illness doesn't mean that if you don't know me, you can't tell most of the time. I'm very good at hiding it. I spend a lot of time alone recuperating from it um, or restoring. But basically that's my baggage is that like I have a chronic illness that I'm very much responsible for and I don't want to bring it to somebody else. But it does mean that there's but, I can't do everything that other people do. But you're saying that baggage is something that holds you back from moving forward in a relationship. How does your baggage do that? I'm you? only just learning now because I've, I've this, this is the first time the past couple of years have been the first period where I've been in a middling place where I'm not as healthy as I've been the other times I've been single. When I've been single before, I've still had this illness. It's an underlying factor, but it's not enough that somebody else is going to have to deal with it pretty much ever. Now it is. Um, so I didn't even realize I had it until I was dating the filmmaker who we talked about in our first, in our first episode. Um, and it came up because I didn't feel, I felt really sick a couple times when I was with him before I told him about it. And I didn't know how to talk about it. Um, and it, and it did, it did for a while. I was worried. It was something I was worried to bring up. And so it was, it was sort of holding me back from being completely emotionally open with him for a certain amount of time, which is interesting because like, I always find, I mean, so many people are so scared of parts of themselves for so many different reasons. And like, everyone has things about themselves that talking about it makes them feel vulnerable. And I'm always, and I have that too. So it's, no surprise, but I'm always a little kind of confused by that because as someone who's on the other end of it, I always find I like people so much more once I know what their baggage is and once I like connect with them on a human level and I get to like hear more deeply like the things they struggle with, I can empathize with them, I start to care about them more, I can relate with them in a more personal way than I can if like they're hiding something from me. Well, we talked about your baggage being um, in previous shows. We've talked about your baggage being more about having seen relationships gone wrong, whether they've been yours or people in your family. And that, that sort of, is that your, wait, is that your baggage? Mm, I would say that's, I probably have a lot of baggage. Um, That's probably one aspect of my baggage. So how does Um, that work? So for, for with that particularly, how does that, um, how does that, like, if you were on the receiving end of somebody saying, you know, I'm worried, because I feel like that's a hard thing to bring up in relationships. If your baggage is about commitment and about, like, everything ends, we've said that. I don't know how many times in our, in our three shows already we've said everything totally. ends. Totally. Yes, absolutely. And I struggle with that. I, that's something I, I do struggle with. Um, and yet, at the same time, probably the person who I am going to be best suited for in a relationship either 
will be just totally understanding of that and be like willing to negotiate that for herself or potentially even have the same type of baggage mm. where like you know this is something that we're gonna try to do maybe together cancel you know? each other out it's like a maybe positive, who knows i don't know you know yeah. um but i mean i also think some of my other baggage that we talked about a little bit the last time too is this like idea i have about needing to be perfect in a relationship right. and like um, I have some sort of, like, obsessive, dark thoughts about, like, being a good partner. and. So when do you... Since, all right, so we talked about that last time a lot. So when do you let somebody know See, about that? Like, you just said it's good to tell the other person because then they feel I tend and... to lead with my baggage, to be honest. Really? Yes. And, uh, and how, does, how does that work out? Um, it, well... There's, like, two parts to that. One is that, like, I tend to lead with it, and usually, like, it actually works pretty good. Like, people respond well to that and, like, tend to think I'm, you know, sweet and kind of, like, intense and intelligent and have all these intense sort of thoughts or whatever, and that can sometimes be attractive to women. And then, but on the other side of that is that I think, in some ways, I lead with it as a way of pushing people away off the mm. bat, if that makes any right. sense. That, like, here, like, in some way I'm saying, like, all right, I'm being vulnerable, I'm sharing this thing with you, but it's actually not really being vulnerable, it's actually a kind of a defense mechanism. Right. Um, so... Yeah, mine is completely different. Mine, like, I don't tell people on the first date, because I don't want to be associated with this illness first, I guess. You don't want you it know? to define like, you. Exactly, because it doesn't. It's definitely a part of who I am. Um, but, and it does mean that I can't like people who are highly active, I don't approach them, you know, or I, like if a guy ha is surfing and hiking and biking and running, I'm not the girlfriend for him because for large periods of my life, I can't do that. I'm not really allowed to exercise right now because of the way it makes my body feel. It sucks, you know? And like, and I hopefully will be again, but like, that's sort of right off the bat. But then for a guy that I actually am going out on a date with, like, I don't want them to see that and I don't want them to try to fix that I, I don't want to try to attract guys that like because a lot of time guys if you say like oh I'm having this problem they go into fix it mode they don't and I don't need anybody to fix me totally and I, th I think that problem is going to exist no matter when you tell them right if that's just the kind of guy they are that's true then you tell them except, on the first date or you tell them on you know a month true, in they're going to try to fix it or they're not that, like know? I don't know I feel like something like a serious health issue is something that um you know, I want to experience having fun with the person and I want to get to know them and I want them to get to know everything I'm, I'm excited about before they have to like, because I can very much handle it on my own. It's not something that somebody's going to see unless we start getting serious. Well, I think, you know, like that's the thing too. Like you don't have to see it. I'm very good at scheduling my life to sort of counterbalance it. You're not going to have to see it with me unless we're at a point where, you know, we're really getting intimate or seeing each other a lot, um, or that if I just don't feel well and want to be able to talk about it, you know? But again, I, I want to be able to talk about it without it becoming a bigger issue than it is. Right. But and I think part of that is the way that you present it, right? right. I mean, part of it is the way, like, if, it, if you feel like it's going to scare someone away and you tell someone like it's going to scare them away, then it's probably going to scare right. them away. Which, of course, I don't it's... because it's something that I own, too. It's not something I can do. You know, I can't emotionally get past having a physical illness you know i can't like think my trust me i've tried to think my way through it and i try to think my way and i do think my way through a large part of it like I, i'm a very positive person you know i put i try to put positive spins on things in life um but it's it's one of the, i think for me it still feels i'm going to say it, it feels safer to wait a little bit because also it's not something that um is as interesting about me 
I don't think as other things like I don't you know like there there's a lot more I want to share with somebody about my life I mean I'm a food writer that's fun we've got this radio show that's fun I've got an awesome family and a dog and I travel and blah 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 you know like so I don't I guess if it's if your baggage is something you feel is holding you back, maybe it is better to put it out on the table. I don't feel like my baggage is holding me back as a human being as much as it's more of like a practical thing. I got to work out and like be able to trust the person. Yeah. You know, to take. And as much as I still stand by my statement of like being more interested in people when things are on the table, if something is really vulnerable for someone and they're like sharing it right away. No matter how like eager one might be for a commitment, it still sometimes can feel um, suffocating. Yeah, to be too like, much too soon. Y- yeah, yeah. Like, to just be like, if it, if it's coming out in a really vulnerable way, like to be like f- have vulnerability foisted upon you. Yeah. in like very because, early on can be a bit of a turn. Yeah, because vulnerability is a very powerful thing too. Like I was, I was texting with our our friend Joseph, our first guest about vulnerability. And he was saying vulnerability is something you should embrace because it's you're going to come out be- on the better side of embracing it versus being afraid of vulnerability. And I very much agree with that. Like by the time I eventually told the filmmaker, I was feeling very, very vulnerable, but we had dated for a couple of weeks. I'd been sick around him without him realizing it a couple of times and still had a great time. And the vulnerability worked because it did bring us closer it felt brave to do and it did and i trusted him by that point and so i was entrusting him with my vulnerability and my baggage and sometimes vulnerability can actually even mean in my opinion holding on to the information like some for some people like i was saying i sometimes use declaring my baggage as like a defense mechanism as putting pushing someone away like it's vulnerable information but like it would be more vulnerable to like potentially for me to hold on to it a little longer and like not use it to scare them away or not right. like some people I feel like like there's the stereotype of the girl who's you know shares her feelings too soon. Oh and god, is I've met that. The, I've met five of those guys in the past month too. Uh, though guys too. Girls. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but like yes, but that and they and they have this like oftentimes have this like victim mentality where it's like I was open and shared myself. And they walked all over me, but in, when actuality is like their comfort zone is actually sharing it because it's too vulnerable for them to like hold on to it a little bit well, longer I mean, and see where it can go. Yeah, sometimes, and we've talked you know? about this too, though. I don't think I don't think everything is needs to be shared in life. Like there's some there are some things that I think I, it's not that I think you, you need to lie about yourself or what you do, but I don't think everything is interesting or everything is worthy of conversation. I think a lot of things, sometimes people that like to share everything with someone, if you don't know the person well, I'm not talking about like a close friend or confidant. Um, If you don't know somebody very well and you're going out on a first or second date and you want to tell them everything about yourself, some things are just not as interesting as other things are. Some things are not as, are not what you build a relationship with. Some things are personal to you that maybe don't need to be personal to the other person until you really get to know them, until you are a we. You know, if it's me and you and not we yet, like, that's, that to me, I think, is sort of as far as, like, when vulnerability, when real vulnerability and sharing baggage and entrusting somebody. To me, I didn't, I did not realize that before, but that's going to be my little thing going forward. Like, am I, is it I and you or is it getting closer to being we? And if the closer it gets to being we then that to me is the, the you know the Venn diagram point of, of sharing. A Relationships bit. take a lot of trust and I think it's sometimes it's not until that trust is developed that it's safe or even, even good necessary. to share the baggage. Or even necessary. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. Yep. Let's take a quick break and when we come back we will talk with Abby Hitchcock. 
1996, El Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. If I had a magic wand, tomorrow everyone in the world would have enough food to eat that was culturally appropriate and delicious. The planet would be thriving because all the food would have been grown and produced in a way that sustains us, both our bodies and our, our world. But man, I do not have a magic wand. What I do have is you and this radio station, the Heritage Radio Network. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help lead the way to a future that's more delicious, that's more fun, where we're healthier, where the plant is healthier, and we want you to be a part of that. We can't do it without you. As a nonprofit radio station, we depend on the support of our listeners. So take a minute out of your day, visit the website, and click the big beating donate tab. Throw us a few bucks. Every bit helps. We're counting on you. And we are back, and I am so pleased to welcome to the show Abby Hitchcock. I first met Abby at her restaurant, Kamaj, about eight years ago, along with her husband, Jason, when I was going door-to-door applying for server positions in the village as a broke, out-of-work actor. Now we've all been there. And I met her, handed her my resume, and started training that night. Wow. So thank you for that, Abby, and welcome to Love Bites. Welcome, Abby. Thanks so much. Um, Good to be here. So... Kamaj is Abby's restaurant. She is the chef and owner. And Kamaj is a French bistro. And Kamaj sounds very French, but if you any of our listeners speak any French, they will know that Kamaj is not a real French word. So where does the name Kamaj come from? It's sort of the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> I, I did not open Kamaj initially 18 years ago, um, uh, but my ex-boyfriend did, and he and his partners had the lovely idea of taking the first two letters of their girlfriend's names. So it was Carol Marie and Jennifer, which became Kamaj, but of course everyone thinks it's Kamahe or Kamaje or Kamaji. Right. Wait, so. so he was your ex-boyfriend? He's currently He's now my ex-boyfriend. Your ex-boyfriend. So <laughs> right. he was your boyfriend when you started working there. Right. And then you took it over? It's kind of a funny and story. And broke up? I lived- Did they not want to like add the A-B to the end? Like, Kamajab, you know, to like include you into well, the I list of women. Carol. So, uh, so it should have been Abmaje. Yes. People would think it was Middle Eastern or something. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was a crazy idea to to begin with, but um, we we sort of uh, toyed around with the idea of maybe changing the name, but it was like the restaurant was working, so why change it if it ain't broke, kind of thing. So we just kept it, and um, there's no relationship to any of the people anymore. Interesting. It's just, yeah. Wait, and, but wait, but then you took it over, and then you broke up. 
So we actually ran it together for about seven years. Sort of, he was in and out doing different restaurant projects. Gotcha. But but and then I, you were like, "This is mine." I ate there. My dad and stepmom ate there, and like we found this great little place on McDougal Street. And so I ate with them. And then I was like, "Oh, this could be a cool place." I had a daytime cooking job, um, so I started um, helping at night. And then next thing I know, I quit that daytime job and started working at Kamaj. Wait, what happened first, though? Working at Kamaj or like hooking up with the ex-boyfriend Hooking owner. up with the ex-boyfriend okay. owner. <laughs> okay. Um, and so you ran it with him for a long time, and now you run it with your husband, Jason, yes? Exactly, yep. Okay, so... Poor guy, I roped him into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is, what's Jason's like official title? At? He's, um, I, mean, I guess I would say manager, but actually, you know, when I sort of brought him in initially, um, he's one of those people, like so many of us, that um, worked his way through school and actually his first job was a dishwasher when he was like 13. So he sort of knows the whole business. He's definitely not into the cooking side of things, but he appreciates good food. And so he's done everything. And um, so when I was transitioning to uh, getting rid of the old boyfriend and then having met <laughs> Jason, getting rid of. and he's, as you know, Ben, um, a musician and writer and creative type. So those are always... And just um, an awesome guy in, in general and so much fun to chat with yeah definitely and so yeah very good with people and so i was like yeah you know come on move to the city and um i could use some help so he um is very versatile and can do boring math stuff too so he helps with the books but he mostly does like helps with the web and um and uh and just helping with you know the whole people side of things was there any crossover with the men like was the ex-boyfriend there when jason was there too uh, no, no. Although so they, they were met. like, oh, they have met. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. it ever I'm awkward or, or scandalous? I or? tend to stay friends with. Ah, I mean, good I'm for one you. of the, That's awesome. Yeah. I've got like I, one who I'm friends with. My feeling is if you want to maintain any kind of relationship, then go for it. And if you right. don't, then don't. And so Patrick occasionally still calls me and he's like checks on, you know, Kamaj and how I'm doing and stuff. But I don't like hang out with him or anything. But right. I, you know. And I'm always open with that. Who, who's the better business partner, <gasps> the ex or Jason? Uh, can I say that I have always been the better business partner? Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. Great answer. Uh, I like her. Yeah. But um, uh, no, but, I mean, the thing with Jason is that he, he really is multifaceted, so he, I can rely on him to do whatever needs to get done. Is there anything you can't rely on him to get done? Because like, I, I imagine uh, that it's got to be hard being partners and partners in a restaurant like uh, uh, do you guys really compliment each other and everything or are yeah, there things do. that he would say like oh i wish she were better at this or vice versa no i think we both compliment each other we you know he realizes that it it really is my restaurant and he is you know he he sort of does a bunch of this stuff for me but he never his passion isn't necessarily restaurant life i mean he he is a night person by nature his I'm passion not, is you but yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's he. I still feel like like I'm the big boss. Like I, you know, I ask him to do whatever I need to get done, and he does it. Oh, that um, fun. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that in an ideal world, he would probably prefer to be playing music. But you know, right. again, try to make a living at that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got some experience trying to yep. do that. Yeah. Um, so here's a question: Like, you spend all of your time. You must spend all of your time together if your work life is with him and your home life is with him like is that your dream come true or what challenges does that present 
Um, I think we've we've modified it a bit. Um, as I said, I'm a morning person. I sort of I wake up. I don't need caffeine, although I love my Earl Grey. Um, and I get to Camage, and I'm there like boom right in the morning. I get my paperwork done. How early? Eleven. Oh, okay. You know? All right, yeah, good. not crazy. But then you know we're open until midnight, and right. you know, by the time you get home, but. Um, Sometimes earlier, but 11 sort of like, I don't like to get there later than 11. Um, and Jason will come in later in the afternoon. And so it's not like we're always, always there together, which I think is a good thing. Um, although the thing that I think is nice um, with working the, with the person that you're also a partner in life with is that you do enjoy their company. And so, you know, I'm not saying that we don't have our disagreements or whatever, but it's it's a nice thing to be around that person. Yeah, I guess the foil to that are that chefs who are not working with their partners, like you don't see your partner. That's a huge problem in in the hospitality industry. Yeah. It's really hard. So I'd never actually thought about that side of it, that you've sort of taken that out of the equation. Right. Bravo. Mm -hmm. So you say you're like the big boss. Is there anything, what's like the one thing that Jason has done? Like, is there one thing you can put your finger on that he did one time that was like the best most helpful thing he's ever done <laughs> and contrarily is there like one thing he's ever done that like like if he was somebody else you would have fired off. his ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's a good question i mean he's much better at all the web stuff and like um design stuff like he can put everything into photoshop and make it look pretty and that kind of thing i just don't care if i ever learned how to like fix my website mm. which i still have Grudgingly done, but anyway, um, so he's really good at all that stuff, and it takes me forever to do some of that Photoshop work. And I'm just like, ugh. So that's great, and he has a good eye for that kind of thing. Um, I guess it's that kind of stuff. Um, and then, oh god, I'm sure there's been plenty of times when I've wanted to absolutely kill him. <laughs> um, trying to think of one though, I don't know. It, I, nothing crazy, crazy. All right, we yeah. might have to come back. We might have might to force have to you back that. that one. Yeah. <laughs> You also, I just want to like change it up, up the subject here a little bit because you host these amazing events at Camage that are dining in the dark, right? Where you blindfold your guests and turn off all the lights and have like a huge feast for all of the other senses. Can you yeah. talk about that and any of like the romantic like incidences that have occurred as a result of dark dining? Oh, absolutely. So we've been doing them for about ten years, and um, originally collaborated with um, somebody who's a dancer choreographer and um, had eaten at some of the places in Europe where they, it's actually a darkened room and and um, she came back from it and she thought that was really cool but the food sort of like okay and they kind of told you a little bit too much about what to expect and she thought it would be cool to add some additional components to it. So we worked together for a while and she ended up retiring and so in the last year or so we've changed a little bit but the basic idea is still the same which is that we uh, put curtains up in front of the restaurant and we don't actually turn out the lights off they're down a bit but the waiters have to be able to walk around so you get these amazing uh, meditation masks that you absolutely can't see anything out of and you can keep your eyes open closed they work amazingly um and so you put them on and from the moment that you get your little orientation outside on the sidewalk to the moment that you get you know led to your table have your meal and then leave you never see the restaurant and so we we've figured out a formula that works pretty well but it's kind of like going to the theater everyone comes in at the same time everyone has the same well not the same food necessarily but same generally like same courses at the same Mm -hmm. time um and it's pretty wild you know people are surprisingly trusting of us as the waiters and the cooks and stuff and um 
all you can peek. I mean, you can cheat, which I think people will enjoy knowing if they're at all nervous about the notion of doing this. Sure. But they don't. I mean, sometimes you do, but like, nah. That's awesome. Most of the That's time, great. people just like really... You, that means yeah. you are really creating an environment where people are trusting and they're very want comfortable. to... Do like, they, want do they open up even more because of that? Because well, they get a little so bit sassier? It, it can definitely... So often it's a date, but sometimes it's a birthday party, but definitely when it's a date... It's amazing how much more sort of amorous people I can be. I bet. We also do this on Valentine's Day, and it's that's oh particularly. Goodness. But I mean, it's crazy and cute things too. Like um, we sometimes have live music, but even if it's not, we we'll have we change the music a lot so that you again, it's not just the same thing the whole time. Right. Uh, we've had uh, more than one time had people um, just get up of their own accord and start dancing like right in their oh, little area they don't have a lot of space right. but they dance it's so cute oh that's adorable yeah and just more kissing like you don't kiss usually in restaurants i love this idea I mean, my favorite romantic movie of all time is called about time and it's set in london I heard and they this. yeah and they meet it's 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 not a romantic comedy it was right. billed as that it's actually a really great you know father-son movie yeah. but like the romantic couple in the center of it meet at one of those things and it's just the most yeah. darling thing in the whole world so i'm really excited are, are to there try any this proposals at dining in the dark so this is the most amazing thing so um we have had two proposals, Aww. but this is a really cool thing. They actually were set up. Um, the people, the, the guy, they're both guys, um, did some research and thought that it would be really cool to do. But then ultimately, they, the both guys um, planning are like, but we want to share this with our family and friends. So what we, what we did was a mock dark dining. And so all the friends and family came early. And then the couple came blind. Yeah, they so came, and then yeah, and so the one, the one, the guy was like, I said to him, I was like, you have to be fashionably late because it's, it's going to be weird that they're you're going to miss the orientation, and so you have to just be make it. You have to be running late, so everyone's inside. No one's blindfolded <laughs> except for the couple, and so we do the first course, and then the, in one instance, um, the very first course was a. Uh, like rose petals uh, in a bowl with a ring in a box. Oh my goodness. And she was just determined to eat this bowl of rose <laughs> petals. Oh my God. So that much is so hilarious. that we kind of had to, like everyone was oh laughing no. so hard because she was just determined that this is something she's supposed to eat. It's <laughs> finally, um, the, the guy said, why don't you just try using your hands? Even then she didn't want to, she didn't get it. It was so cute. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. That is adorable. And she said yes, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. That would have been awful. Say, you invite all your family no, and friends. Like, that guy oh, deserves it. Like, I, yeah. That guy deserves a yes, even yes. if it's a, a false start yes. <laughs> We're like, oh yeah, I'll say yes for now. Right. That's great. Yeah, good for him. So, so cute. We had two of those, though. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. So if you Sorry. really want to blow your fiance, or make your, your girlfriend, your girlfriend yeah. away, like, call, call yeah. Abby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have one more question before we take a break. So we talked about this a little bit before the show, and it's totally off topic from everything we've talked about. But you own your spaces, and you've worked in restaurants for a very, very long time now. Have you ever any? Have you ever had any makeout sessions in in a restaurant that you've worked in or at Kamaj? Have you ever? You know, I feel like it's a very it makeout session. Come on, what kind of? Well, I'm trying to give her a scale. I'm trying to give her yeah. a scale to work within because I feel like restaurants it, after hours are so cool to be in or before hours. So yeah, I would I would be lying if I didn't say that that has happened at Kamaj. Yep. I heard that there's a couch you guys were talking about before. There is definitely the Kamaj couch, which is one of like the awesome features of Kamaj that 
may not be there anymore, we, but maybe coming back. Right, exactly. I, I'm going through separation anxiety, but it was time to get a new one, and we decided that we would try something different temporarily. But that couch was crazy how people would just, again, like the dark dining, just somehow... And you're right on McDougal Street. Because you feel like, like you're oh. in your living room, you know? You're on yeah. a couch. So right. it's just like, hey, we it's can do okay. whatever we want. Right. Like, we can, like, hump <laughs> each other on here and no one will no yeah. care. All yeah. right, cool. Thank you so much, Abby. We're going to take another quick break Pleasure. and we're going to come back with a listener-asked question that you're going to help us answer. Okay. All right. Ready. with a question from a very concerned listener. Um, what are the biggest food and drink no-nos on a first date? Why don't you take that, Abby? Do you have any any first date? Have you had witnessed any no-nos? like disasters yeah. in Kamaj <laughs> where anyone like pulled a big yeah, no-no? You know, I think that... I, mean, I, I totally don't agree with like that you can't have garlic breath. I, I think I'd rather be with someone who's like totally cool with garlic breath because some people garlic are, is too good. Yeah, garlic some people have amazing. bad breath aside from... I'd rather have right. garlic breath than, like, bad general yeah. breath. Yeah. 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 So I think that, like, if you're at all, like, nervous that sometimes, like, just either really stinky foods can maybe be, like, maybe not the first date choice. Um, and then also just messy can be awkward. I think the biggest thing I've seen is that people get embarrassed because they, like, spill on themselves. Well, I think mm. embarrassment is a big thing, too. I think, yeah. Especially on first dates, people yeah. get very, like, afraid and, and sort of... And, like, want to, like... I don't know. Sometimes I just get like pissed when like a girl just like wants to order a salad because oh, she thinks that's going to make that well, like her eating something eat, more yeah. is going to like oh, no, that's, upset that's so me. Or, isn't well, it? Yeah. I'm sort of the opposite. I get pissed with guys where like if we order a lot of food and they're eating so slowly <laughs> and not and they're, we're just talking so much. I'm like, I, re- I really want to eat. So I'm just going to eat like I'm going to eat. I'm not going to be shy about eating. But like I think or I think that's just a timing thing with dating in general. I think people don't get the whole like you time how you eat with the person in front of you, which I don't know if this is a thing in restaurants still. At most restaurants that, you know, growing up, I had like, you'd clear the plates at the same time. At the same time, right. But it was also people would be smart about sort of trying to feel each other out when they're eating so that like one person's not eating for 20 minutes after there's another empty plate. So that's a big thing with a first date for me. It's like, just be aware of the other person that Mm -hmm. like, you're not not eating if there's food in front of you. Totally. And like, I I understand like sometimes you get a little self-conscious about like, are we talking or are we eating? And like, sometimes like I'll go out on a first date and like, usually on a first date, it'll be like, I we won't get to the menu for a while because right. like we're of sitting course. down Chatting, and meeting yeah. each other and chatting and like and not trying to be rude. And you too. have to you get a drink, to get like at least a couple <laughs> drinks down first, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on dating no-nos? I, I don't know. I think we talked a little bit about this with picky eaters last week that like, I mean, I think it says a lot about what a person eats i think it says a lot about how they treat the wait staff like i you know just working somewhat in the industry i'm very polite and friendly with the people that work in a restaurant if a guy is not or is in, in any way condescending or even exclusionary to the people mm. surrounding us to me that just says a lot about their character here, here. absolutely um and and 
other than that, like if, if somebody's got like one or two things they don't eat, but are generally open to trying things, that's cool. But uh, to me, it's more like the, the not eating part or the indecision, like have an opinion about what you want to eat, especially since people that I go out with know that I work in the food field and they just want, I can choose everything. Sure. But you know, that's not opinions. Are good. Opinions are good. Yeah. I think opinions are good. So I think like the biggest no, no to me is, is not having an opinion, not being aware of your space and not eating when the freaking food comes. Yeah. Yeah. Own your opinion and eat up and eat a lot. Yeah. And (laughs) eat a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think that works. Well, I guess that's our show. We are so out of time. Um, it goes so quickly. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having Abby. me. We appreciate having you here. Um, our show, Love Bites, is on lovebitesradio.com. Tune in next week. We have Kat Kinsman from Tasting Table, and uh, she's also the author of the upcoming High Anxiety that comes out this spring. We will be talking with her about anxiety in relationships, another fun, lighthearted conversation. (laughs) Um, Our show today was engineered by Liz Smith. Thank you so much, Liz. Our break music was provided by Mama Razi. I'm so sorry, Mama Razi. It took me a second to read that. The theme song to our show is Chloroform Perfume, sung by my co-host Ben Rosenblatt and his band No Denial. Our sponsor today was Union Beer. Thanks, Union Beer. We love you. Also, thank you, listener, for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, and we hope you did, tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and feel free to get in touch with us at heritageradionetwork.org. Next up, a short clip of Let's Get Real with Erica Wise. We'll see you next week. Later. Anybody eschew or throw away or reject the bones of anything. Bones are culinary gold. Bones are the shit. Erica Wides wants you to use your bones and stop throwing them out. Here's an excerpt from episode 116 of Let's Get Real. And you know how we all like to talk about nose-to-tail cooking now? It's all about nose-to-tail cooking, using the whole animal. Well, how about cooking the entire animal, and then taking its bones and boiling them for soup, and then cracking those bones open and sucking out every last bit of marrow and fat in them, and then throwing the bones to the dogs so they could chew on them and build up their teeth and jaws so that then they can help you hunt down that next wild antelope to put in your pot. That's nose to tail. I mean, hell, that's paleo for reals. Like, that's what paleo is really all about. Bones are literally the foundation. Bones are the bones of Western cooking. The foundation. I mean, the French word for stock is fond. Fond means foundation. If you agree with Erica and want to hear more from her, all episodes of Let's Get Real are available on HeritageRadioNetwork.org and on iTunes. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.